everybody. Welcome to Tech Tuesday on INE Live. I'm your host, Katherine Brown. We have a really interesting show for you today. We're hosting a Meet the Expert format with INE's Director of Networking Content, Superstar Instructor, and four-time CCIE, Brian McGann, no doubt a familiar name to many of you. We also have Jason Gooley, a technical evangelist with Cisco and a two-time CCIE. First, as we do each week, though, I want to let you know we're streaming live across social media platforms right now, including LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. We've designed this format so you can get involved and engage with us here in the studio, but also with each other in chat, and we're monitoring that. Love to see you guys talking back and forth and, uh, and getting to know each other a little better. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe buttons on the social media platform you're using so you can stay in the loop when we do go live. As I mentioned, our team here is monitoring chat, so if you have a comment, drop it in there. If you have a question, be sure to put a queue at the beginning so we can find those questions easily. We'll get to as many as we can today. We'd love to hear from you as we talk with Brian and Jason. Uh, many of you know Brian. He's been with INE for more than 18 years, bringing invaluable expertise to thousands of students. Brian was one of the youngest engineers in the world to obtain his CCIE at the age of 20. He's really passionate about teaching others and helping engineers to achieve their CCIEs. Brian, with that, I'll send it over to you. Thank you, Catherine. Uh, you guys, I'd like to introduce our guest for today, my uh, friend Jason Gooley. Jason is a two-time CCIE in routing and switching, or what we now call enterprise infrastructure and service provider. And like uh, Catherine mentioned, Jason is a worldwide enterprise sales, or works for worldwide enterprise sales at Cisco as a technical evangelist. So Jason, what does that even mean? What's a technical evangelist? Yeah, it's really a fancy way of just saying I get to talk about technology to a lot of different people across the world. It's it's really, truly a fun job. Nice. And how long have you been doing that? So that's been about, oh, wow, almost four years now, I think. Wow. Time flies. Nice, nice. Also, Jason is a multi-time Cisco Press author. So, Jason, let's go down the list of uh, you tell me these titles, yes or no, have you actually written these? These are uh, Cisco Software Defined Wide Area Networks. Guilty right, as charged, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, Cisco Certified DevNet Associate. That's a new yes. one, right? That is a new one. Uh, Cisco Software Defined Access, yep. CCMP uh, and CCIE Enterprise Core, the official certification guide, CCIE and CCDE Evolving Technology Study Guide, and Programming and Automating Cisco Networks. The last one's an interesting one, right? Yes, yes. That was the first. So you're almost catching up on Wendell Odom <laughs> about how many Cisco Press books that you actually have out there. Uh, he probably has like 385, I believe, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what's it like being an author for Cisco Press? Do you like writing? I do. You know, and it, it was funny because when it, the, the whole opportunity came up, I never thought myself to be somebody who would be out there writing books for any of this stuff. It's just, it, it became this like questionable thing. Like, do, do I do this? Should I do this? And when I got into it, I realized that it just seemed to start flowing pretty easily. You know, you get these things wrapped in your head, you're used to doing them and putting them out in your perspective on paper so other folks understand how you learned, I think really is what makes it uh, fun and, and, and easy for folks to follow along. I lost your audio. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, sorry about that. There we go. So, Jay, you've been in IT a long time. How did you originally get into this field? How did you get your first job in IT? Oh, that's that's actually kind of a funny story. Um, you know, I was my best friend's mom was a computer analyst, and he would steal her books to teach himself on how to get into DOS, old school, original DOS 6.22, uh, and then Windows 3.1. And I, I kept learning these different technologies it was showing me, and I, I fell in love with it. And then we started doing this Novell Netware 3X stuff, and uh, I really just enjoyed it. So I went to school in uh, this small town called Crystal Lake, Illinois, and, and I got my A-plus certification for computer repair for CompTIA, and then I got my CNA and 411B Novell Netware. And uh, I took a job. Actually, it was funny. I, I took a job at a place out here in, in the northwestern Illinois uh, working on computers and servers uh, at a uh, electrical company that made wiring harnesses for big John Deere tractors. Uh, and then I was working through them and I was doing just uh, some computer repair, building servers, things of that nature. And then I started hearing about this thing called Cisco. And um, it was it was really cool. And you, you could probably attest to this just as much as I can. Mm. Back, back in those days, you're talking like 97, 98, you know, right. my, my buddy's like, dude, have you ever heard of the Cisco thing? You, 
you get a you get the certification called a CCNA and you can make over a quarter of a million dollars a year. And <laughs> if you get a CCNP, you'd be oh, man, you're making like 375 easy. And dude, there's this thing called a CCIE. There's less than 500 of them in the world. And if you if you get that, you make more than the president. No make more, more than the president. Wow. I want that one. Uh, and so I, I started, I started learning about Cisco and I saw that it was like another operating system, very similar to the DOS that I was learning and old school Linux that I was starting to pick up on. And I'm like, this thing's pretty cool, you know? And I just, I fell in love with it. So I'm like, I'm gonna go that path. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my CCIE one day. I'm gonna go work at Cisco directly. It took me a long time, but, uh, I, I did actually make it. So <laughs> there's that. So you knew right away that you wanted to work for Cisco when you were getting into this stuff. I did. I was 17 years old. It was crazy. And I was like, I, I really want to, I'm going to, I'm going to be one of those elite CCIEs. There's only, you know, 500 at that point, almost all of them worked for Cisco, you know? Right. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do what they're doing and I'm going to go work for Cisco. And it, it was a long and arduous road, but it was, it was definitely well worth it. And, uh, and it's crazy to look back to think of where we started and where we're at now. And, um, it's, it's been a, it's, it's been a long road for sure. It's been a long time. It's been a journey. I had hair when I started this. Piece. You see, you had hair when you started. <laughs> <laughs> so we've known each other for a long time. You, this is going back to when you worked for a Cisco customer. So tell us a little about about that. When you before you worked at Cisco, you used to work for a customer, right? Yeah. So I, I worked for at, at the time. It was the largest. Uh, carpet uh next day carpet delivery and installation company in the united states and we started expanding out into canada as well and i became their cisco everything uh, i was working as a, a junior network engineer and then uh, i found myself working my way up to become the senior networking engineer and uh and i was the only networking engineer and uh i i i just kept going with it and i just kept evolving and what was so awesome is that i was studying for my ccie at the same time so i was not that you implement these things in production, but I was able to learn quite a bit from studying and, and indeed improve the environment based on that and then have access to equipment and labs and things that helped me along that journey. Um, and it, it was an amazing ride. It was, I think, almost 11 years, like 10, 10 plus years there. Uh, it was crazy, but it, it was a great, great opportunity. And I learned so much. I learned all the woes about spanning tree. Um, and, and MPLS and all these other cool technologies. So it was it was definitely a fun ride. And when I ended up leaving there, I was the network communications manager and I was on track to go to the network communications director. And I was able to help a buddy of mine, Vince Baldaki. I'm gonna call him out. He's a really good friend of mine. He was, I took him over from help desk and he, he worked with me all the way up until I left. And I transitioned the network over to him when I left and came over to Cisco and it was in great hands. and. Um, it's really cool how that journey goes. You know, you're 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 learning yourself, and then you're helping other folks learn. And next thing you know, they're helping other folks learn, and it's it's it just keeps going. And I think that's a testament to not only the training, but the folks in this industry, yourself included, and and how how small of a world it is. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I love it. Yeah, it is a great industry to be in for sure. Um, so when you were at Empire, did you ever do technical interviews at all? You said you were the oh, yeah. team lead for for networking. Yes, absolutely, uh, and th that was fun because you know you you there's there's two there's two different sides of that, right? So back then I was uh, you fun. Know, it I depends on what side of the interview table you're on, I think, right? Yeah, right. So so I would interview quite a few folks, and funny enough, I actually interviewed some folks that I work with at Cisco. Uh, nice now that i ended up i ended up working with and some you actually know which is really cool um but it was funny because like I, I find myself interviewing folks and you know at the beginning I, I realized that it wasn't exactly fair because i knew the environment cold and i knew all the things that the issues that we ran into that we needed to you know evolve around to try to make the network work the way it's supposed to to support the business so i would like use some of these issues that we've run into as interview questions with the folks who I'm, i was interviewing and um, and it was funny. It was some of it was kind of like tactical warfare, right? Where I would have like this binder with their resume in it, and kind of mean a little bit. I would have this red pen, and uh, I'd say, "So, what is your what is your experience with Cisco Voice over IP and contact center?" And they're like, "Oh, I really don't. I don't really have much voice experience." And I go, 
oh, and I write no voice in all caps on a resume in red, and I <laughs> underline it like three times. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, it was just to see, it was kind of just to see how they would, how they would do under pressure, to be honest with you. And it wasn't, that wasn't even like an experience we were looking for, although it helped. It was more to see how they would bounce back from that. And some would just, some would shut down and some would not. But I mean, the truth is, uh, it, it was a really cool opportunity to get to know what folks are looking for and, and how the industry is portraying the engineers coming into these different jobs. Because, you know, a lot of recruiters, it's just buzzword central and you, they're, the candidate's sitting in front of you and you're, nothing matches up. So you, you have to actually go through and do your due diligence when you're interviewing. And it was fun because I learned a lot about myself too doing that, you know. So long story short, don't lie on your resume, right? Don't lie on your resume. Going into an interview with, uh, with Gooley. <laughs> Always bring a red pen. <laughs> Always bring a red pen. Um, so how did you get started at Cisco then, moving from the customer? What was it like moving from a customer role to working for a vendor? You know, it was it was actually pretty different, uh, but it was it was funny because uh, a job opportunity to come up. I passed my CCIE March 29th of 2013, and I knew I knew that I always needed. I, I felt like I always needed that to go work at Cisco, right? You need to have this CCIE, which I come to find out you don't. But it was definitely a good foot in the door. And when I when I did the interviews for Cisco, I had done it was probably like four or five different positions. I didn't get the first job that I went after, uh, and then. I ended up starting July 8th and I passed what March 29th. So it wasn't a long time after that I ended up working at Cisco, but the roles just kept evolving and changing. And when I was doing these interviews, you know, you're talking about a vendor now, but at the same time, what was cool about that job is the role of it, what was called an SE or systems engineer is now called a systems architect. Uh, but that role is really solving problems that customers like myself were having on a grand scale. And what was so cool about that is I had seen so many things in that environment. I was responsible for everything that had the Cisco logo on it, right? So I'm, you're talking about security to data center to SAN to everything. And when you go into a customer, they're going through the exact same stuff. And we're thinking about like lean IT where you have one to two, maybe three folks running global networks because there was just not a lot of engineering out there with those different levels of expertise. And it was just, I found myself transitioning pretty well, but telling the story of my experience of what I did when I was a customer. And it resonates really well because it's it's really the same story. So that was really cool. I was in sales technically as a sales engineer, but never really, I mean, yes, you have to sell, but at the same time, it's it never felt like a sales job. I, I didn't feel like I was being beaten down to try to meet or match some sort of a quota, even though we had quotas, it just didn't feel that way. And that's what I love about Cisco. It doesn't feel like that. And you're really connecting with the customer about what, what they're trying to do and achieve with their, their network. So long story short, it was a really easy transition because I felt like it was the same job, but just from a different perspective or lens. So when you originally applied, did you know you were going to go into sales or did you look at engineering as well? Uh, actually, so no, I, I, I applied for a couple SE roles or the, the sales engineering, but then there was mm -hmm. a couple internal technical roles that I went for. I, I started off trying to go directly for a couple technical leader roles, which, you know, once my ego deflated a little bit, I realized that I probably wouldn't be uh, equipped for that yet. Um, to get into the door first. Uh, and then I did mm. a couple uh, job roles for internal on like tech and, and, and things for Trump from a troubleshooting perspective. And, uh, and the, it, it ended up coming down that, you know, a lot of the roles that I applied for were filled with other folks internally, as Cisco often does, because, you know, they try to keep and take care of their own, uh, that some, some folks either already had two CCIEs, or they already had this experience, or they already had tech experience. And it was actually what happened to a couple of the sales roles. They, took a couple folks internally already who already had sales experience. And I thought that was going to be the linchpin for me before I got into Cisco was going to be, I have to figure out how to get the sales experience. Uh, and eventually they just called me back and said, we'll help you with that. And uh, changed my life, changed my life. So a lot of it, would you say is on the soft skills side too? 100%, 100%. And, and you know, it, it's, in this industry and what we do, being an engineer, an architect, somebody that interacts with customers, what I come to find is it's not traditionally super easy to have 
this capability to be able to have conversations and still be able to get into the weeds with deep dive technical sometimes that doesn't line up and when you when you find that match and that pattern that was really what sets you up for those type of customer facing roles so you started as a systems engineer and then you moved on to technical solutions architect a tsa what does what, what did that job look like so that was actually a really interesting role for me because the, the role was responsible for all of the uh, complex routing and design topics for our customers in, within our area. And then it started morphing into I'm going into other areas around the states and then I'm traveling all across the country to try to talk to other customers and help them with their routing and, and network design needs. And, and what happened is I ended up becoming more of an ENTSA, focusing around enterprise networking, routing, switching, wireless, things of that nature. Um, and it was, it was really a cool, interesting job because that also morphed into what was the predecessor for Cisco SD-WAN Viptela was our iWAN solution. And then I became a worldwide iWAN adoption specialist as a TSA for Cisco, and it would travel everywhere talking about what is SD-WAN? What does this whole software-defined WAN look like? And uh, it, the role, even though I had held the same title, it changed like constantly. I was constantly doing more and more different technologies and um, software-defined programmability, things of that nature. And it, it's just, it's interesting because that's exactly what our customers are seeing, right? Their journey is changing ever so rapidly. And my role as, a, as an architect was changing ever so rapidly. So it kind of worked hand in hand. And uh, it was it was very... It was very fast, very fast pace, uh, but I enjoy it and love every minute of it. So as a technical evangelist now, is that more of an internal role or do you still have customer facing interactions or what do you do on a day to day? So absolutely a little bit of both. Um, my primary focus now is I, I develop a lot of the uh, content and curriculum for our field as well as our partners for the engineers within our field and partners. So you're thinking about things like test drives where we have a whole program around getting your hands-on experience with whatever technology it might be, SD-WAN, software-defined access, and then talking to the customers in a facilitated fashion about how these technologies help in their environment, what issues and things that our, our customers are going through, and then mapping them to the technology, and then turning it over so they have hands-on live experience with it. So instead of the, the old show up and throw up kind of transfer of information style uh, deliveries, right? You, we're all familiar with PowerPoint. it, right? The death by PowerPoint, 485 slides to get through an hour exactly. session. You're like, what? Um, it's more slide minimal. Uh, and it's something that's, I, I would challenge everybody on our team to do if they're developing this is, oh, it's got 25 slides for a six hour event. Mm, let's see if we can bring it down to 20. And, and, mm -hmm. and really, but really enforce having to use your voice and use that customer interaction to carry you through. And it is a different skill than being a sage on a stage with a marker at a dry erase board to be able to engage customers for six hours with no content. Um, that That is a real big difference, but it, it's taken off like wildfire and, and everybody loves it. And I think that if when I was on the customer side, that's how I would have liked to be engaged. So... Um, I, lo I love being a part of it. It's been great. And then that's, that's the internal sort of side of it. I'm still doing the Cisco Live. Uh, I'm an SGM now, or session group manager for Cisco Live. I'm still doing the participation in Cisco Live and outside customer-facing um, activities such as design clinics or executive briefings and things of that nature. And, but I still also get involved with going into a customer if they have something they want to talk about and and, and help them, you know, with the design solution. So, you know, it, it, it's ever changing, but it's all related, if that makes any sense. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned Cisco Live. Do you think this year we're going to go back in person and have our vacation in the summer to Vegas? Or where is Cisco Live this year? Do you know? Yeah, it, it is in Vegas again. And uh, I am really, really, really hoping so. It, everything right now is green lit. So we're moving forward as it will be live. I hope that it stays that way, as, as I'm sure everybody out there does as well. Yeah. Um, but I got to be honest, you know, when we transitioned to that virtual event, I was, and I was part of it, you know, I, I was shocked at how well received it was. And not even just that, how well delivered. I mean, it was, you know, we're living in a world of virtual, you get the fatigue from being on all these things all the time. But 
the 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 whole engagement strategy and, and the community aspect of it still being able to talk to folks like we're really there in person and tweeting each other and like we're hanging out at the social hub like we always do or at the devnet zone you know it's we we took that and we made it a virtual thing and and i was really surprised to see how well that carried forward um i really hope for that in-person interaction that's something i know i love dearly and a lot of folks out there do too and it looks like we're going to go that way and i hope it does um, but I am really proud of the fact that the Cisco Live team and everybody involved stepped up to the point where they made it feel like you're still live, even though you weren't seeing folks in person. I, I, I loved it. So you said you're a session group manager this year. What does that mean for yes. people who are not familiar with Cisco Live? So myself and another gentleman, uh, are, it's called a co-SGM. So we both are session group managers for what's called the ENS or the Enterprise Networking Solutions uh, Group. So anything that comes through that's a kind of like an architecture or solution where you think of things like tying in things like software-defined WAN and multi-domain and all of these multiple things coming together. Uh, so I get to I get to involve other folks who are speakers, look at what their sessions are when they submit them, give critiques on what they could do to potentially make it more you know, flashy and, and more engaging for the customers, uh, kind of tell them what to steer away from. So I get to make those decisions with, uh, with a code SGM of mine. And, uh, and and approve and uh, sometimes reject speakers if if they're they're not what we're we're you know trying to look for. But uh, it's not that often. But uh, it's really cool. Uh, so it's a whole different aspect of it. Uh, it's like the management and running of pieces of Cisco Live versus just being a speaker. Or actually, I should rephrase: just being an attendee that went to being a multi-year speaker to now being part of the actual program itself. It's it's very fulfilling, and I and I enjoy it uh, immensely. Yeah, so for those of you who are not familiar with that, go to CiscoLive.com, sign up for an account if you don't already have. There's so many free resources there that are great for emerging technologies and all sorts of stuff and enterprise, service providers, security, all the verticals of networking that Cisco deals with. Uh, you can find a lot of great content uh, out there for learning for free. So Jay, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit and talk more about learning. Sure. So you, as someone who's made your career out of learning new things, how do you personally study for a certification or like a new technology that you're you're working on? That is a great question. I'm gonna it's, I'm gonna two prong that one um, because I'm learning as I go. Right? Um, right. One of the things I notice is I would I would immerse myself in that technology, whatever whatever it might be. You know, if it's you know ENRC where you're learning about advanced routing I would grab that book and I would focus on those things I would lab specifically on those directly related technologies and then I would focus in on my weak spots you know that's one of the things that you have to do is be completely honest with yourself of where you are uh, rate yourself if I'm you know at level 5 I, I can I can troubleshoot it and configure it and teach it but if I'm a level one, I might need to focus on it and learn a little bit more. And I think by being honest with yourself, you can you can find where you need to, to spend your time focusing. The other thing I could also say is that sometimes to learn, you have to take a step back. And this is something I'm, uh, is recent for me to learn, uh, is that sometimes you submerge yourself so much, you're, you're so far down in the weeds, you haven't taken your head back, you haven't taken a step back to look at what you're trying to accomplish and what the bigger picture is. So... You know, take programmability, for example, right? You can get into the weeds of programmability very, very, very easily. And you're doing Python scripts and you're doing all these API calls and all of this great stuff. And I love it. But you need to take a step back and uh, not to sound like Simon Sinek, but ask yourself, why are you doing this? What is the outcome you're trying to do? Is it because you want to, the outcome isn't, uh, well, I want to stitch these different platforms together to get all these reports for whatever reason. It's, I want to get all these reports so I can get metrics or information onto some business aspect that I need that I can't see into right now. That is the reason why. From that, then you dive a little bit deeper and say, well, then I can stitch these two platforms together to get information that would lead me towards the outcome I'm looking at for a business perspective. And then you dive in a little bit deeper and said, to get to that, I can go on this one platform, learn the API calls and start going into that. So I think I think you submerse yourself in the technology, but also never lose sight of the overall why you want to do it. Now, granted, getting the certification is definitely a why, um, but if you get the certification, you don't really know why or how to implement it or how to you know really understand what the use case is for it. It might not be as valuable to the folks who have started with the business need and use case and then dive down into it. So hopefully that answered the question. Um, uh, 
surround yourself with what it is you're trying to do. Get get uh, get familiar, but get entrenched into what you're doing. Like if you want to learn programmability, go buy a Raspberry Pi. It's fun, but you can also do cool things with it. You know, things like that. Yeah, so on that note, I remember when back in the day when we were studying for CCIE, the big issue was getting access to equipment. Yeah. Uh, what would you say now for candidates that are just getting into the field or, you know, want to gain new skills? What are some of the resources out there that they could use to get hands-on access to oh. new technologies? So I'm going to plug you first, uh, and, plug and, and, I'll, and yeah. I'll start that path backwards, right? Uh, so obviously, INE has rack rentals and stuff, and I've used them extensively. Uh, but when I first started using uh, technology and trying to build labs, if you didn't have equipment laying around, you're trying to get stuff on eBay, and it does. It, it's, it seems like it's more of a headache than, than necessary. And I ended up falling into using INE rack rentals because it was just so convenient. That's one thing. Virtual access to real equipment is, is one. The other thing is being able to have platforms where you can virtually use devices on your laptop or on a server that's sitting somewhere like viral or, or what we have is CML or Cisco modeling labs is another example of being able to download these topologies, drop them into a tool, and then you have all this latest and greatest stuff. And I think one piece, you know, past that is that this is a community. This is a very big community and mm -hmm. everybody loves helping everybody else. So somebody might go through all the heartache and pain of building these topologies to build a routing and switching uh, topology or a DMVPN topology or something. INE has them that you can download and drop into CML. Leverage that, right? And if you understand how to put IP addresses on interfaces and connect interfaces and do all that, don't spend too much time wasting your time going through that over and over and over and over again when you need to be getting to the meat of the topic that you're trying to focus on. I mm -hmm. found that was something for myself as well as get past the stuff that you just definitely, you're at the five level already. You know it cold. Get past that. Start leveraging the community and focus in on the technologies that you need to focus in on. Yeah, the community is definitely one big thing in networking. Uh, you know, some other free resources that I would definitely recommend you guys take out take a look at. If you haven't seen Cisco DevNet before, uh, there's all sorts of virtual equipment that you can get access to for free and uh, Cisco DCloud as well. I know for uh, some of the newer stuff like SD-WAN, SD-Access, Cisco has access for free uh, for some of those platforms. Um, so what is something new or exciting that you're working on now? What is what is the next big thing that we should be looking for in, in networking technology, do you think, Jay? It's data. And it's, it's been data. it's been creeping up that way more and more and more. It's it's the analytics and data aspect of things, right? I mean, you know, we 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 know how to manage and configure and build networks. The idea of being able to utilize the data that you get out of that to either troubleshoot or enhance how your networking works or use it for targeted things like targeted ads using Wi-Fi or, or Bluetooth low energy, BLE, all these different things. You're trying to tie together these metrics to enhance experience. So they just renamed our team actually. So Worldwide Enterprise Networking became the network experiences team. And if you think about that, that's how entrenched this, this whole uh, thing is with Cisco, right? And, we, it's all about experience and how the customers and users experience the use of the network. So being able to tie all that data and information from the data center into the WAN, into the campus, and really truly see what's going on is, is second to none. And we're learning more and more about that as we go. Artificial intelligence, we've heard, we've heard AI ML so many times that it, it's become an industry buzzword, but all that really means is data, automating data, and automating data to get some sort of an outcome to make your experience better. If you put all those together, it, you're, it's unstoppable because the truth of the matter is you have to have all these different data collection points across your network, WAN, campus, everywhere, da your data center, security, edge, to be able to see what's truly going on and to better it. And that's really all the customers really want to do. They want to use the network to get something out of it and better their experience. And, and we're making that pivot and that shift to become more focused on that as well uh, to make it easier for folks to achieve that. So that's, it's data. It's definitely, it's the new oil. <laughs> it really it's is. It's the new oil. It is the new oil. It is the new oil. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and take some questions from the audience. Sure. 
there's a question, understanding that CCNA and CCA, uh, CCMP are vendor specific, how much knowledge base is vendor agnostic in order to develop my skills and thrive in a cloud architecture experience? Is that so of course, for you? Jay, well, I think it's for both of us. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, you work for Cisco, so you have a little bit of a skewed uh, view on this. But um, I think that a lot of it is is vendor agnostic, just understanding general technologies in, in networking. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, February 24th, when we redid all the certifications, that was one of the things that was front and foremost. Uh, that, that was at the center of rebuilding all these certifications was where does the focus lie? And yes, you need to know OSPF and BGP and things like that and EIGRP, but the truth of the matter is it's we're adding in programmability concepts as well so you understand the use cases of why that's important for a network engineer. And I've been coined saying this so many times, people have quoted me on this, we're not just network engineers anymore, we're network developers. We are we're developing. Developer. We are developing what is going to be the next role of a network engineer. And I think our certifications reflect that immensely because data center doesn't just focus on it's gotta be a nexus. Sure, there's nexus on the exam, but what is the value of the data center? We're, we're doing stuff with AWS where we have certification pieces going to AWS. We're talking about deploying our routers and firewalls and, and perimeter edge devices and e ENCS or you know enterprise networking compute systems, if you're not familiar with that, in, in the cloud and, and tying in that's what the whole concept of multi-cloud is, right? Multi-domain. Mm -hmm. We know that Hybrid we need cloud, to be able yeah. to interact with all these different cloud vendors because that's what our customers are doing. They're not just one cloud vendor that our customers are using. It's many. And we need to make sure that they can be adaptable for that, whether whether using Cisco technology or not. Great, great. Uh, okay, question. Uh, Jason, with being in Cisco world for so long, what has been the hardest thing for you to learn? Well, that's a good one. I think one of the things that it, it's hard to learn, but also uh, imperative would be the distance from the customer, right? You, you need to learn still because not being a customer for so long now, you still have to put your mind in the customer's shoes, but you have to kind of keep that link because if you don't, you don't understand what the customer's going through anymore. And, and pr like the previous question, a lot has changed in, in the last eight plus years that I've been at Cisco. Right. A lot of emphasis on cloud, a lot of emphasis on data center, data analytics, programmability, things that weren't necessarily there before. It's hard to learn new technologies and apply them to what the customer needs if you don't stay engaged with the customers. So thankfully my job does allow me to be engaged with customers all over the place, thankfully. Um, but it is something that you have to learn. You have to actively think about. Otherwise, you, you may get lost in that transition where you become just another vendor employee. And, and nobody really wants that, right? Nobody wants to be sold to or talked to that way. They should want I, to be should included. I remove the questions from this chat? Jay, you were saying sorry. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, so so that, that's kind of one of the biggest things that, to learn. And then also, Learning, you know, I'm defensive of Cisco because I love it and this is what's given me my career and my livelihood and right, a lot of the yeah. folks on this, right? At the same time, understanding that, you know, there are, there are other things going on in the world and we have to account for that and we have to, we have to accept that as well. There, it's very, very, very rare that you have one vendor in, you know, or one customer that uses just one vendor, I should say. Mm. It's, it's always multi-vendor for some use case somewhere. And understanding and learning that that and being open to that, I think, is the other thing and not being closed minded with blinders on thinking that it has to be this way also is another thing that it, you need to learn and, and you have to open yourself up for that as well. Mm. That was a great yeah, question. I think, yeah, I think just learning the technologies as you get deeper and deeper into networking, the more kind of vendor independent it naturally becomes that these, you know, designs or these technologies are applicable to you know, multi-vendor environment and, and trying to, uh, you know, deal with the interoperability is just one of the things on a, a you know, day-to-day -day basis that we have to uh, kind of keep in mind. You know, even one extra point on that is, you know, I was going for the CCDE with your help as well. And, uh, you know, even though I didn't get it, that process opened up a lot of what I just mentioned too, because it exactly. opens up your mind as a design engineer versus a vendor, you know, 
specific engineer. So it takes away the Cisco of it and it's a vendor neutral exam, even though it is offered by Cisco. So going down and learning those technologies and those mindsets, that, that CCDE mindset will definitely help with a lot of that and make you just an overall better rounded engineer. Yeah, actually, CCDE was probably my favorite certification that I've taken. Um, I think that it was great in terms of the vendor independence and just the overall scope of the technologies that they're testing. And especially the testing engine, too, is really cool, yeah. uh, how you uh, deal with the design. But definitely not an easy certification. Nope. I'd have it if it was. <laughs> yeah, have it. everybody would have it if it was, right? <laughs> Uh, there's a question, which CCI path would you recommend going after today, security or enterprise? Here's a CCDE answer for you. It depends, right? No, it depends, I mean, right? It's a loaded uh, question. It is a loaded question, but, but it, here's why though, right? It depends on what you want to do, right? And the reason I say that is you can go down the enterprise path and there's security portions of it. And then you can go down the security path and there's definitely enterprise portions of it. Um, and you, the answer is you could always go and do both, but it really depends on what you want to do from a career perspective. If if you really like getting into the forensic aspect of it and the the, the security and, and being able to dive through how to protect environments and things of that nature, you might be more focused on a security path. And if you, if you really like the nuts and bolts of how routing works and how connectivity works and how Wi-Fi works and all of these other things, you might be going down the path of that. And there's no law saying you can't do both, but the other thing is, since we redid all these certifications, you might go down the CCIE path of one and then use CCNP to, to really round out those specialization exams for all the other uh, avenues of security. You know, you can look at firepower, you can look at ice, you look at all these different pieces and have one heck of a well-rounded uh, certification portfolio. And you've, you've all heard me say this before, you literally can choose your own destiny when it comes to these certifications because you can mm. pick and choose what you want to represent you as as an engineer or a developer. So that's a very good question too. Yeah, I think one of the key things about that is you have to do what you enjoy yeah. because you really have to spend so many hours watching videos and reading and labbing as you're learning these technologies. And if it's like, you know, splitting hairs, it's definitely going to be a problem as you, you know, get deeper into these yeah. Uh, these avenues that, uh, you know, whether can, can you learn this and retain it long term or not, you know, it's definitely going to be easier if you enjoy what you're doing. Sure. Hey, to, to do it, to try to just make money is, it, it, you know, do something else because you have to do be so involved. You have to be so involved. Now, it doesn't mean you won't make money, but what I mean is if you, it's like putting yourself through a lot of deep, deep learning to really master these different technologies and to do that just for the outcome of money, that's, that's not where your passion should lie. It should be because you love the technology and you love the learning of that technology. And you make money as a byproduct of that, right? It is a byproduct. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another question. When you guys took your first CCA ever, uh, then where did you stuck to either go for another or focus on a different technology? So you went for routing and switching and, and service providers, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about those. Those are kind of similar in their general theme of the technologies that they're covering. Yeah, so actually it's kind of funny, right? Um, when you, I think the question was kind of geared towards, you know, if you go to one and you don't make it, or if it's really difficult, do you jump tracks? Was that was that kind of how I'm understanding it? It could be. It could be. Yeah. So let me tell you about my story, and and a lot of people mm. know this already. I don't hide it. Um, I was very young, and I decided I passed my my CCIE written exam. I'm going to go take the lab exam with zero preparation, pass CCIE, <laughs> CCIE written, and I ran in and I didn't pass. And this was version 3.0 days, and I was I was young. And I was like, well, I didn't pass, me, 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 me. And my brain slash ego at the time said, 30 days later, I'm gonna do it again. 30 days later, and I got knocked on my butt. And I got up and I dusted myself off. I'm like, wait a minute, wait. me? 30 days later, pow, knocked on my butt. 30 days later again, without changing anything. I didn't study anything anymore. I didn't change my approach. I did nothing. I just wasted everything I had in my bank account to try to take that exam four times in a row in version 3.0 
and did not do anything different, didn't prepare, didn't close the gap. And there's a huge gap. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't figure out what was going on. And I took this, I was like, I'm going to take a year off and I need to reset. Right. And that was when I actually found INE, which is kind of funny. I did everything backwards. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is I wasn't prepared and ready for it as an engineer, as a human, as a person, I wasn't ready for it. I was going in it just because that was the next logical step you have to take. So it, it, it crushed me. It did. But you have to get with, with, with advice from not only Brian and other folks in the industry, it helped me pull myself up by my bootstraps and say, all right, well, I'm going to refocus on this. And I start studying again and they switched it to version 4.0, which now means you need to know MPLS and all these other things that you didn't necessarily know, quality service and deep, deep quality service and all these other things. And it, it, it was frustrating because I felt like I kind of had to start over, but I needed that to take that step back again, right? You needed to take the step back. Why am I doing this? And it's because I love the technology. I got lost in why I was doing it just to get through lab mode. And, and I will forewarn you now, there is something definitely called lab fatigue and lab mode. And that's where you're doing thousands of hours and you'll go through it of just constantly pounding away at the keyboard and you start overlooking simple things like setting the next hop uh, towards an IBGP peer when you're right. when you're getting an, an EBGP update, right? Uh, these are the things that, and this happened to me literally yesterday. And I've been doing this for a very long time. But you get to the point where you're 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 in automatic automatic mode. Take a step back, take a deep breath, refocus in on why. And I, I did never lose sight of wanting to go for the CCIE in that track because that was at the time. That was the only track, you know, back in the day, that was the first track that was ever there. And I knew I wanted to get that one, even though some of the other ones came out. Um, so I would say that don't let it discourage you, keep focused. And then the reason service provider came up, believe it or not, was I got my job at Cisco uh, July 8th of, of 2013. And they, they said, you know, you should really go for your CCDE. Nobody in this entire middle of the country at Cisco has their CCDE. So I'm like, huh. You know, I met Russ White at that Cisco Live the first time in 2013, and he's like, "What do you? What is your plan?" I'm like, "Well, I'm, I think I'm gonna go for my data center CCIE." And he's like, "Well, you should think about the CCDE." And I'm like, "That's the second time I heard that, but I really had no intentions on it." And then, lo and behold, my friend Brian here says, "Hey, you know what? If you're going for your CCDE, you might as well learn service provider because you need to know it, and you might end up being able to pick up the service provider one along the way." And it's that's an exactly what I did. It's exactly what I did. I, and, and the funny story, and just a real quick, I'll keep it brief. The story about that service provider CCIE was they were changing the exam. Just I, I passed it January 29th, uh, 2015. They were changing the exam and I think it was at March, March or May. And there was no other dates available. And I happened to find one date that popped open. I was like, you know what? I'll take it. If I pass, cool. If I don't, so be it. I at least learned what I needed to learn for the CCDE and that was the goal, it was the CCDE. And I passed. And I think because I went in there with the attitude of, if I don't pass, so be it. I know I'm not gonna go for the next 4.0 version and I'm not gonna really restudy just to get service provider, I'm just gonna do CCDE. The stress was gone, the exam you know, hovering over my head wasn't there and I just went into it calm and I knew that it was pretty much an eight hour MPLS exam. And I knew MPLS cold because of all the stuff that I did with my now version 4.0 that I wouldn't have known if I passed version 3.0 because MPLS wasn't there. So I think everything does happen for a reason and you kind of have to just take stock in that. And even if it doesn't go the exact way you plan, stick with your plan because I didn't expect to fail four times in a row before I passed the version 4.0 in a totally different version. and. And uh, I knew I wanted to work at Cisco and get my CCIE. I didn't know it was going to happen in this way. And um, I'm blessed for it. So hopefully that helps somebody out there. Yeah, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Uh, we have another question. It's easy to get lost in a single protocol or technology. How do you know when it's a good time to move on to the next technology? <sighs> In my opinion, anyway, and Brian might have a different opinion on it. I think when you're getting to the point where you're 
pulling your hair out or you're, you're sitting there like this and you're like, uh, like I, I'm not, I'm just, it's not clicking. It's not clicking. I'm doing redistribution and this thing isn't making sense or whatever it is. Stop, write it down of what you're trying to, what you're trying to learn and take a break, go on mm. to a different technology, come back to that. Because oftentimes what you'll find is your brain's still noodling on that in the background. You don't even know. Exactly. And you'll try to go and learn something else and it'll click. And it's the same for in an exam, write down if you're in a CCIE or something, troubleshooting, you know, whatever it might be, write it down and then come back to it. Because what you'll find is instead of wasting time and not answering the other nine questions that you might have to answer, your brain is still working on it and you might find the answer you're looking for. Something might click during the journey. So that, that, that was, that would be my two cents on it, I guess. That's great advice. That's great advice. Uh, another question we have nowadays, routing and switching is not enough to get a job. I'm taking, I'm talking about CCMP RNS. Please also recommend some other courses as a combo to get a job easily. So would you say that it's, it's tough in the market today just to have a focus of CCMP enterprise? What would you recommend candidates look at other skill sets? So, so I think that's a, it's a two part question. So I think the first part is if you were to say CCNP routing and switching period, mm. that is different than CCNP enterprise. We right. now at enterprise, as you know, a programmability, SD-WAN, some of the software defined access pieces, the newer technology cloud, all of these things that's becoming easier because those are new technologies that our customers and the industry, everybody out there is starting to try to adopt and need folks who know more about it. There are a lot of folks who have CCNP routing and switching experience who are having, you potentially can get a job depending on their, their circuit or surrounding uh, experience. But then there are, there are folks that, you know, if, if you're going in and you know routing and switching, you still have a, a valid attempt to get a job what I would say the other half of that question is just like the question is worded, bring in some of the other technologies, even if it's not Cisco, bring in AWS, look at Azure, look at uh, different cloud providers, look at things like wireless, what what a UTM or, or unified threat uh, management system mean? What does that even mean? Look at security, programmability, just understand what all that stuff means and that would help you because there are a lot of folks going for, you have, to, you have to set yourself aside from everybody else and keep exactly. going extra yeah. mile. You have yeah. to keep pushing. You have to keep enforcing yourself to learn just that little bit more. And even then, I still feel like a dunce sometimes because there's so much new stuff out there that I don't know. Um, but just push yourself a little bit more because then when they look at that candidate and you're the one interviewing and they say, well, they're CCMP routing and switching, but they know all these other surrounding factors versus this other candidate who might not know any of it so hopefully that helps answer it a little there's always a value for the certification there's always a value and a market for that in this industry but you have to differentiate yourself just ever so much just to be able to get, put your foot in the door and make them want to choose you over someone else yeah i think that's definitely true someone had commented here that the certification doesn't get you the job it gets you the interview so that once you get your great. foot in the door great Okay, we have another question. What certification is worth to take right now, given I don't have any? Currently, I have the uh, JNCIE or JNCIA, uh, but none in Cisco. So you're starting in Juniper and you want to get into the Cisco world. Jason, what would you say? DevNet Associate. DevNet and, Associate? And I'll, tell, I'll tell you why. And then my, my retort to that would be CCNA. Right. I mm -hmm. say DevNet associate first, because that is that is like just like I mentioned, right, we're trying to inch ourselves a little bit better than the competition or better than the rest. Right. Make ourselves a little bit better and more edgy. That is so common of a technology and topic right now that absolutely everybody needs automation because of data being the new oil and trying to stitch all these things together. And if you can intellectually or intelligently talk about that, that is gold right now. And the reason I say that is because the CCNP, or I'm sorry, the CCNA also has, it's an 80-20 rule on both of those certifications, right? So CCNA, you have 80% networking fundamentals, 20% programmability. It's the flip for the DevNet Associate. It's 80% network programmability and automation, 20% networking fundamentals. You will learn enough to know where to apply that technology 
And then I would say chase after the CCNA right after that because you learn the other side of it. And that is a very awesome, well-rounded certification portfolio to have getting started in this industry because it's literally top of mind for everyone out there. Awesome, Jay. Uh, we have another question. How much time should we take a day each day to prepare for the CCI exam? So how do you not get burnt out while you're dealing with studying for something that's Mount Everest? Yes. Uh, one step at a time. One step at a time. And the, re and the reason I mean that is that, and the reason I say that is I have been on the burnout end of it. I have mm -hmm. to the point where I had to quit for a year, right? I had to, you know, you submerge yourself in a, an environment where you don't see your friends, you don't see your family, you don't talk to coworkers, you don't take time for you. One huge aspect of it that is never talked about is your mental health, right? Your self-care for sure, yeah. You have to take care of yourself. And if that is going for walks, going hiking, playing the guitar, going to concerts, whatever it may be, spending time with your kids, all of these different things, if you do not take that time, why are you even doing it in the first place? Because while you're putting them all on hold and your entire life on hold, right, for a certification, you're missing out on all that in the process and you need that to rejuvenate yourself you need that to take that next step up mount everest so that's one thing and then i think when you when you start talking about the amount of time it requires how many hours a day however many hours a day that you can reasonably achieve while still taking care of your mental health and spending time with your friends and family and taking time for self care that is the that is the honest answer because very simply you can go over the edge in one direction and it's very hard to come back. So keep that in mind, please. I know that is, it's a taboo subject. It is incredibly important. Yeah, it's definitely hard, easy to get burnt out in this field and not take time for yourself. So it's, it is really important that, you know, we look at the big picture, like you were saying, what am I really doing this for at the end of the day? Um, you know, me personally, I really enjoy helping other people. I enjoy seeing people learn. Uh, but I do have to take time for myself yeah. as well. Absolutely. Um, so we're getting close to the hour. So Jay, I just want to thank you for coming on today. This has been a long time coming that I've been uh, looking to do this format. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you. And, uh, uh, so you Catherine, know, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks again, Jason. Catherine, could we send it back to you? And you guys like our video, subscribe, follow us on YouTube, on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Absolutely. Brian, Jason, thank you so much. Great discussion. I've been monitoring the chat as, uh, as it's been coming in from various uh, social media platforms, and it's been really active. Love to see those questions coming in. Glad that we could uh, get to a number of them. For those of you who didn't get your question asked, uh, tune in next time. <laughs> that wraps up Tech Tuesday here on the INE live stream. If you missed it live, you can look for the replay across our social media channels and on the INE website. Be sure to like and subscribe, as Brian mentioned, on the social media platform you're using. So you can stay in the loop when we go live and you can catch those reposts as well. You can look for us again live next Tuesday, October 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern on whatever social media platform you choose. Director of Cybersecurity uh, Content Jack Reedy will be here with some expert advice on getting your first cybersecurity job. This is a question that we get asked all the time. He'll outline how to plan, prepare, and take your first steps into a cybersecurity role. And he'll be taking audience questions as well and as always digging into some specific roles and training paths. We'll see you then. Until then, have a great week.